Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and of course, producer Annabelle Leet, my right. Hi. Hi. Guys, coming up on today's show, Taylor Swift is named Times Person of the Year and takes a shot at Kim Kardashian in the process. There's a royal Photoshop fail in Will and Kate's family Christmas card, Selena Gomez Gomez is in a relationship and letting loose in the comments section on Instagram. Molly Mae Haig says she's going through it. And Hugh Grant is kind of grumpy but needs money, okay? Uh, Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But first of all, Zara, how are you? I'm good. It's warm in here. It's a humid day. I am sweating. Anyone who's ever been in a podcast studio, and I don't know how many of you have (laughs) ever actually been in podcast studios, know once you start hitting summer, they get like hot boxes. And this is probably one of the first proper hot days we've recorded. No, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really, really, really warm. So let's see how we go by the end of the episode. (laughs) Let's just say lucky you can't see us. Yeah, they will see the videos. True. Um, I I have a recommendation for you guys, though. Annabelle, I feel like you'll be all over these. I am obsessed with the Actors on Actors series this year. Oh, my God. I've always watched snippets of them over the years, but I have never watched them from start to finish, and I have been inhaling so many of them. They are so good. The first one, of course, I watched was Margot Robbie with Killian Murphy, the Barbenheimer reunion, though they'd actually never met. These two were so good together. Yeah, they were a really good pair. I also watched Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway. Natalie Portman and Paul Meskel came out this morning, so I'm going to watch that tonight. And I've also seen so much of already Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone. Mm. There's something about, obviously, in the kind of show that we do, we talk about celebrity, but there is something that I don't think we hear about much, which is what actors prefer to talk about, and that is 
their process, what acting is actually like, what yeah. it's like behind the scenes on set. And I actually, I think some people would find it boring, but I find it fascinating. I mean, these people are all clearly experts in what they do. And yeah. to hear them talk about it with such passion is really interesting to me. It's amazing. I'm also chuckling to myself because in the Bradley Cooper Emma Stone episode, he has a habit of closing his eyes as he yeah. speaks. Have you guys seen this? It's went viral on TikTok as well. He's saying that the older he gets, he needs to close his eyes to like form a coherent thought. And it's the funniest thing to watch. But it's, I felt, I like related to it quite a lot because if I'm hosting like a podcast and I find my words getting jumbled, mm. I close my eyes all the time to kind of get clarity of thought. I look off into the distance, which means when we then chop this up to be like videos on TikTok, I just look at my eyes go every which way <laughs> yeah. other than to you or yeah. you. <laughs> I, I really related to the closed eye thing. So I loved these so much. If you've actually never sat in front of them and watched them end to end do it they're really interesting and just mm. they, they're kind of perfect to have on in the background so good for this time of year obsessed with that how are you what are you recommending i have a bit of a serious recommendation I like this that. week but mitch and i watched this last night and we really loved it the ben robert smith truth on trial documentary dropped this week the trial was only in the middle of the year the defamation trial between ben robert smith and nine network Somehow they have pushed this doco out before the end of the year. It dropped on Sunday. As I said, we watched it last night. It obviously concerns itself with some quite serious material. If you're maybe listening internationally and you're not familiar with the name Ben Robert Smith, he was our most decorated war hero here in Australia. And then some incredibly damning stories and allegations about him made their way into the media. This documentary speaks to the two main journalists who broke the story and then who had to obviously front up to court and be part of that defamation trial. Yeah, because of course Ben Robert Smith was the one that sued them. And mm. I think the irony of that trial, as we know, is that that dug up even more information and mm -hmm. kind of put a spotlight on the allegations even more. Yeah. Which was so, as I said, ironic because because Ben Robert Smith was the one that pursued the trial in the first place. Yeah, and then somehow it became like a network battle between the Seven Network and the Nine Network because Ben Robert Smith was backed by one of the chairmen at Channel 7. So it's just a fascinating documentary. It's only 90 minutes. I think it's a really comprehensive look at the allegations themselves, but also the trial and how yeah. the trial kind of in some ways became almost like a murder case. Yeah, how fascinating. I definitely want to watch that because this this kind of is in line with a while ago I was listening to the audiobook of Nick McKenzie who was one of the journos and that will always astound me. That book came out very soon after the Nine Network won the case. Mm. And I still don't know how he was able to include details. Did they only decide to release the book if he won? Was there two endings? Mm. Were there two versions of the book? The way that content about this has been pushed out relatively quickly will always astound me. I also think Nick McKenzie may be in my past basket. Oh. I know very local, very niche, Nick McKenzie. I can Mitch see and I Annabelle Googling <laughs> to my right. Is Mitch he... and I were watching him and we're like, Nick McKenzie's I, oh, daddy. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, well, that's just a photo. He's done some great work. Yes, no, I know. That's what I can see here yeah. on this page. No, I, I'm a long time, spectacularly long time fan of his, which is probably pretty niche for our audience, but whatever. We might as well. He came and spoke at my university. Did he? Back in the day when I was doing media at university. We got Neil Mitchell. <laughs> no disrespect. Nick McKenzie came to Melbourne Uni and I still remember sitting in the audience and being like, this guy, he's got... 
je ne sais quoi. Oh, I've accidentally <laughs> what about, what about Riz? He's, He's got, got Riz. Nick <laughs> McKenzie has Riz. Can I also give us a quick celeb-focused recommendation? Yes, you can. I mean, you'll always come for me for more than one recommendation, yeah. but I will always support you for it. Well, I'm conscious that this is our final typical episode of the year. We will be dropping into everyone's feeds next Thursday, but it will be the shameless end of your awards. So I'm using my final chance to get all my recommendations in Fair here. call. Okay, there is a piece that has just been published in New York Magazine's Vulture. It's called How French is Timothy Chalamet? Have either of you read it? I haven't. Okay, this piece, I love it for a really, really simple reason. It is like the most petty voyage to figuring out if Timothy Chalamet is French enough for French people. Oh my God. (laughs) So essentially the writer Jasmine Vaudani speaks to all of the French people that they in know. the world? Oh. <laughs> All of them. Oh, how impressive. <laughs> and I didn't realise that French people don't actually love Timothy Chalamet. What? In fact, beyond not loving him, they don't think about him all that much, which shocks me. Okay, well, as somebody who did French in year 12, I accept Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I love watching Timothy Chalamet speak French. Yeah. Do you guys? Yeah, I love Timothy Chalamet because he's French. Can I read you some of the quotes that make him not French enough? Right. Yes. Okay, so this person who is a teacher and artist in France said, first of all, one French particularity is that we don't like to be told who to like. I think this new category of fuckable guy like Timothy or Harry Styles, it's just so trendy. In France, we prefer dudes a bit more random. It's very American to have taste in men that are so on trend. Oh, my God. Are we basic? But that's not just Americans. That's Australians too. Wow, I feel attacked. Like men that are a bit more random. Would we say Paul Meskel's a bit more random or, again, quite obvious? No, trendy. All right, so who's random? Pete Davidson? Would he be random? Nick McKenzie. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe we are French. Who who else is random? This is like a great question for you. Gillian McLaughlin, the former CEO of the AFL. No, that's obvious. famously have a crush on him. No, that's obvious. We need really random. What about someone like Seth Myers? Because I've got a soft spot yeah, for him. That's good. Bang on. <laughs> Very nice, Annabelle. Anyway, this woman went on and said the idea of him being French is ridiculous, almost humiliating. He's not French at all. This is someone who is missing substance underneath a French veneer. Oh, so, that's mean. mean. I would say that's mean. <laughs> piece is very interesting. I'm just going to put it in the show notes because I was reading it and chuckling in bed last night and how French people just do not care for Timothy just really got me. But I, I also, care for Timothy. I believe that Timothy Chalamet also wouldn't care about Oh yeah, this. he'd find this funny. I think he'd Knowing find Knowing Timmy, he'd Which find means it. that maybe it would make him more endearing <laughs> to the French people. And therefore more French. I agree. Yeah. Maybe this will kind of serve a, a quite a unique purpose. <laughs> um, Annabelle, look, when we were prepping for this episode, we said, Annabelle, we don't have that much to talk about. <laughs> what have you got for us? Find an R you in need of some intrigue. The yeah. celebrities have genuinely been doing nothing. And so you said, us. leave it with me, guys. I'm going to sufficiently intrigue you. Which is big because the last time you brought us an R you in need of some intrigue, you made headlines around the country. Globally. 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 I, know globally. I think it was in the UK you made headlines. Oh, of fabulous. Of course you told us the story about how Dua Lipa was once featured on an episode of The Bachelorette and then everyone ran news stories being like, did you know Dua Lipa? got her start on this little Australian show? Yes. Well prepared to be disappointed with this. <laughs> are you in need of some intrigue? Well, you, are you, as Michelle said, you've officially done the best are you in need of some intrigue in the history of the world. So the let's stakes see. are high. Let's see how you go. Yes, here comes the fall from grace. I actually prepared too because I was like, <laughs> just in case. All right, you can 
<laughs> okay. Got time. Well, as you guys know, we just did a scandal series on Lena Dunham. Yeah. And so I was trying to think of a tie, a way to tie this Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue into this episode. Love. So let's talk about Adam Driver. <laughs> oh, yeah. I truthfully don't know a lot about oh. him, so I might be intrigued here. I know he was in Marriage Story. No, he was in one of the marriage it's focused marriage films. Story, a yeah. Marriage Story. Directed by Noah Baumbach. Greta Gerwig's husband. Yes. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's all I know. Oh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I was very worried you guys would know no. this. Before fame, Adam Driver was a US Marine. So before enlisting, <laughs> is it too early for me to say, tell us the next one? No, no, no. Let me give you the... Excellent. We didn't know it because it's not interesting. It's so intriguing. Because we just okay. happened to not look so at his Wikipedia okay. page. Okay. So intriguing. So before enlisting, he auditioned for Juilliard and didn't make it through. So then, <laughs> so then he enlisted and he was a Marine Corp for three years before getting into a mountain biking accident oh. and getting medically discharged. So then he obviously was like, oh, well, I'll try Juilliard again tried it got in and then made it onto the show girls <laughs> um you gave us more info and i am less intrigued now. okay <laughs> let me i am sad about the accident but it obviously led to a wonderful career exactly yes. okay. and also we love you i want to make that oh clear. yeah no i know that <laughs> let me show you the, the, the nerves and it's already sweaty in here <laughs> <laughs> we're all sweating the next one is the one that i think that you'll know okay it has nothing to do with my first intrigue all right let's do it this one is about the fact that jason derulo doesn't really care about being a big celebrity anymore. I've got bad news for oh. you. I have listened to an Guys, episode I of haven't. a podcast that talks about, like, is Justin Derulo's memoir. I listened Justin to his Derulo. Me- <laughs> Off you go. You're out. <laughs> Annabelle, back, on back on, on Annabelle. Well, clearly, Mish needs to know more. <laughs> so, Justin told <laughs> The wheels are off. I'm so sorry. Wheels. Ten minutes in <laughs> chaos. It's just too hot. Too hot. Guys, I'm sweating so much. Everyone might be like, open the door. We can't. We need this to be soundproof for you. You guys are going to hear all the trade work on the road if we open the door. Justin Keep the Derulo. door closed. Jason Derulo is a very prolific businessman. Notably, one of the businesses he owns is a car wash. It's called Rocket Car Wash, which offers a monthly subscription service with unlimited washes. In June this year, Jason told the BBC, usually I'd describe myself as an entertainer, but I feel like that's changed. I don't think I could say entertainer anymore. It's business nowadays. I took a chance on it because it's a membership model and it reminded me of what Netflix and Uber do. This <laughs> is Business has been valued at $2 billion, though. Wait, shut so he's, do- he's doing well for himself. Wait, who said it was valued at $2 billion? Justin. Justin did. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Derulo did. He's a billionaire because of his car washing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Forbes would be putting Jason on the cover. This is Kylie Jenner, if that, that is true. a great quote. Yeah. I, I saw what Netflix and Uber were doing. <laughs> I thought I'd top it. That's a real businessman. I am sufficiently intrigued. Well done, Annabelle. Yeah, that's actually quite a good one. I knew he had gone into business. I wasn't clear on the car wash angle. Do we think that a subscription for a car wash would be something you'd sign up for? I truly haven't got my car washed in three years. Me so too. No. I love a car wash and I have been twice this month. So maybe I'm here you, to, I'm fit to be a customer. You're a target market. Rocket car wash, Mish. Write it down. <laughs> I won't. Let's get into the quick and dirty. (laughs) Guys, as always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. But also, as always, we're fiddling with the numbers. And this time it is six stories. 
Zara Sweaty McDonald. What have you got for us? All right, as long as we acknowledge we're all a bit sweaty, that's fine. (laughs) Our first story. The 2023 person of the year is Taylor Swift. That is from Time Magazine. I mean, as is tradition, of course, Time Magazine is named their person of the year. And to the distress of many of our listeners, actually not many of our listeners, three of our listeners who told us (laughs) A vocal minority. There's too much Taylor Swift content. What are we going to say? It's Taylor Swift. Tough titties. Tough titties. Back <laughs> home you go. The thing is, if Time magazine is saying Taylor Swift is person of the year and their person of the year is not always the best person of the year, mm. it's always just the most talked about person of the year. Sue us for talking about her so much. I did do the maths on 2023. I know that's the job of next week's episode for the Shameless End of Year Awards. Any guesses as to how often Taylor Swift made it into an episode of like Shameless on Thursday this oh. year? Oh, one in every four episodes. Oh, that's not that many. I actually was pleasantly surprised. The people complaining, you had three, 75% had nothing. And this is <laughs> Time's person of the year. Yeah. yeah. This is the person of the year and we only mentioned them one in every... In fact, we're not doing our jobs very well <laughs> if that's the case. Now, of course, this tradition dates back to 1927 when it was actually called Man of the Year. Classic. I think they only changed that in 1999. <laughs> well, they started having Woman of the Year and Man of the yeah. Year and then they brought it all together and they decided to make it the person, group, idea or object that for better or worse, and this is a quote, has done the most to influence the events of the year. So this is not a wholly positive thing. No. It can be negative, can be positive, can be neutral. Previous winners include Donald Trump in 2016, Mark Zuckerberg in 2010, Vladimir Putin in 2007, and Queen Elizabeth when she acceded to the throne in 1952. So I did see some commentary around online to say Taylor Swift is not the most important person when it comes to, you know, social political events this year but she could be called the most talked about person and that's what time is trying to distill yeah it's really interesting because i have seen some of that comment to your ground and i totally understand it but time's person of the year is literally the most talked about person Mm. the person that's influenced culture and conversations and stuff like that and i would say well i mean i guess in my line of work it definitely feels like taylor swift but it's not it's not shocking to me at all that this happened. Taylor was on the cover with her cat draped around her shoulders. Her hair and makeup and outfits even looked distinctly reputation-esque. Did you see people trying to kind of, I don't know, map out the words reputation with her her poses, but I wasn't really picking up what they were putting down, if I'm honest. Now, there was also a profile attached to this cover. She spoke to writer Sam Lansky for the piece, and she was very candid with me. She was kind of like, well, I'm Time's person of the year, and I'll just tell you what you want to hear. Exactly. We're going to rattle off some of our biggest takeaways from this piece. Obviously, one of the biggest headlines about Taylor Swift's life so far has been about the Kanye West, Kim Kardashian feud of 2016. And she revisited that era by saying a bunch of stuff, including this quote, I had all the hyenas climb on and take their shots. It was a career death. Make no mistake, my career was taken from me. Now, a very brief refresher on this one for those who don't remember the details. In 2015, Kanye secretly recorded a phone conversation with Taylor where she approved some lyrics in his upcoming song, Famous. She approved the lyric, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex 
When Famous came out in 2016, though, Taylor called it out and said she wasn't happy with it. Kim Kardashian, Kanye's then wife, then published footage of the phone call with the caption, wait, it's legit National Snake Day. They have holidays for everybody. I mean, everything these days. Taylor then copped that whole, do you remember Taylor Swift is over party? Yeah. She was public enemy number one. Everyone was calling her a liar. She then responded and said that Kim's footage had been selectively chopped up and that she never heard of or approved the lyric, I made that bitch famous. And that was the lyric that she was offended about. Not the, we might have sex one day lyric. She was upset by being called that bitch and her fame being credited to Kanye West. In 2020, the full video recording of that phone call made its way online and was almost wholly, I would say, considered to absolve Taylor Swift. Absolutely. Now, in this interview, she said at that time, you have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say to everyone that I was a liar. I mean, I am sorry just to quickly interlude here. Interested that she used Kim Kardashian's full name? Like usually when celebrities Mm, are giving quotes like this. She... Yes, or they, or just you have an illegally recorded phone call that was put on the internet. But she said Kim Kardashian. That does take me by surprise, if I'm honest. She said, that took me down psychologically to a place I've never been before. I moved to a foreign country. I didn't leave a rental house for a year. I was afraid to get on phone calls. I pushed away most people in my life because I didn't trust anyone anymore. I went down really, really, really hard. I thought that moment of backlash was going to define me negatively for the rest of my life. Mm. I mean, perhaps predictably... Extremely predictably, fans then rushed to Kim Kardashian's comments on Instagram to flood them with snake emojis. Yeah. A tale as old as time. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. I agree with you. I'm really surprised, particularly because I get the impression from Kardashian camp that they've wanted to forget about this and move on for so long. I feel like the Kim that we have known over the last five to six years is not the Kim that I see in this story. Mm -hmm. And I think that they actually probably would be mortified now. Do you think that's fair? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kim, when the full footage was released in 2020, Kim actually came out and said that she had felt compelled to defend her husband at the time, that she had no other option. I don't think defending him really explains what happened or accurately describes it. I mean, she really went bang. It was awful. Yeah, National Snake Day. We have a day for everyone these days. I am surprised, but I think also Taylor has every right to do it. Taylor also gave a lot of really fascinating quotes about weathering the PR storms across her career. She said, by the time an artist is mature enough to psychologically deal with the job, they throw you out at 29 typically. In the 90s and noughties, it seems like the music industry just said, okay, let's take a bunch of teenagers, throw them into a fire and watch what happens. By the time they've accumulated enough wisdom to do their job effectively, we'll find new teenagers. I've been raised up and down the flagpole of public opinion so many times in the last 20 years. I've been given a tiara, then had it taken away. It now feels like the breakthrough moment of my career happening at 33. And for the first time in my life, I was mentally tough enough to take what comes with that. I really liked that quote quite a lot. I mean, the breakthrough Mm. moment of my career happening at 33, because even though she's been one of the most famous people in the world for so long, it definitely feels like that. There is something Mm. about her actually reaching her 
potential in many ways because her potential is just so far above anybody else's potential. She went on and said, nothing is permanent. So I'm careful to be grateful every second that I get to be doing this at this level because I've had it taken away from me before. There is one thing I've learned. My response to anything that happens, good or bad, is to keep making things, keep making art. But I've also learned there's no point in actively trying to quote unquote defeat your enemies. Trash takes itself out every single time. Mm. Is she talking about Kim there? Is she talking about Scooter? Is she talking about everyone? I think she's talking about Scooter Braun, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian a little bit. I agree. And then, by the way, Cindy Crawford uploaded a video of (laughs) taking the trash out. I'm obsessed I'm going to expose you. You you suggested we do a whole segment on Cindy (laughs) Crawford. It was like a five-second video of her wheeling garbage (laughs) across the screen playing to bad blood like that was the song she selected and you were like we should talk about this and I was like say what exactly because she took the trash out twice so I'm like what does it mean this whole week Zara has been accidentally playing this TikTok very loudly (laughs) in the office we just hear bad blood playing we're like Zara not again I really like the TikTok I really like it and I want to know what it means because Cindy Crawford was in the bad blood film clip Mm. she's close with Taylor Swift so I want to know who she thinks trash is but that's all I've got to say about that and then I have to finish with my favourite quote of all she said this is the proudest and happiest I've ever felt and the most creatively fulfilled and free I've ever been ultimately we can convolute it all we want or try to overcomplicate it but there's only one question the journalist then wrote, here she adopts a booming voice. Are you not entertained? Obsessed. I feel that so deeply in my bones. I think I have sort of uncomplicated the story of Taylor this year where I've just mm. sort of looked at everything through the lens of I think she's just trying to have fun and be entertaining and be outrageous. And I'm enjoying that as a spectacle. And that's what I want from my celebrity so much. And she's doing it oh so well. She's done it really well. Yeah. Our second story, Kate Middleton and Prince William's annual Christmas card appears to suffer a Photoshop fail, leaving Louis without a middle finger. <laughs> that is from the Daily Mail. Annabelle, have you seen this? No. <laughs> he doesn't have a finger. <laughs> well, okay. No, uh, let me Let me give the details because my mind's all over the place about this. There is obviously a new royal family photo. They do this every Christmas. I don't know why. People are absolutely sick for this. Like, if you read the comments on their official accounts, people go mad for the Christmas photo. I quite like the Christmas photo. Do you? I, yeah. I care not for the Christmas photo. I like the Christmas photo. I like the birthday photos. You I like the photos? I like the photos. I didn't even know they did this. <laughs> I, like, I like the photos particularly when Kate takes them. Because she's sort of like an amateur photographer. Anyway. Well, this photo, Will, Kate and their three children donned themselves in casual shirts and jeans because they are one of us. Prince George is standing beside his mum in the photo. Charlotte is grinning, sitting on a chair in the middle. Prince Louis is standing with his dad with one arm on the armrest of Charlotte's chair. Are we all with me mentally? Yes. Okay. That arm, that hand on the armrest of Charlotte's chair is where the mystery begins because he has four fingers that are visible. One kind of looks like a thumb and it kind of looks like in the middle of his hand there is a finger missing. Yeah, so it looks like a massive Photoshop fail because they've accidentally chopped out the middle finger. I think he's being like a five-year-old and is just like doing something weird on the chair and ah. the middle finger's like hidden underneath it all. I was trying to practice as you're in your trying to find the many <laughs> combinations of fingers on chairs. I don't think he's doing that. I'm trying to do this to the camera. I think his hands are just abnormally splayed out. I'm going to show you, Annabelle. Yes, please. And in between his fingers, he's got lighter skin. I think it's a bit of an optical illusion. I'm showing Annabelle now. 
Oh, that looks like it's been erased. Yeah. Okay. But they wouldn't do that. It's too obvious. Oh, he's a double-jointed king. I think he's just got a big space in between his middle fingers and that's white skin in the middle that makes it look like something's been erased. Do you, right. So you don't think it's been photoshopped? I did originally, um, but the you, longer I look I at it... I was going to say, this is quite the flip because I yes. was doing all those combos in the office <laughs> and you were like, no. I, I did think it was photoshopped and now the longer I look at it, it just looks like a weird optical illusion of the white skin in between your fingers. Yeah. yeah no, or the and then the other things underneath it, like the full fingers underneath it. So are we here to say that actually this is not a Photoshop fail and everyone needs to leave them alone? I think it's, well, I wouldn't go as far as that, but I would say it's not a Photoshop fail. You're not sort of, you're not releasing anything to the public that obvious and I wouldn't put it past like however old he is doing something funky with his fingers. Because like also why would a, why would a photographer go, I'm going to edit the prince's hand now and then leave it with a mistake? Like that's just not happening. Anyway, can you guys tell that this news week has been pretty bloody slow? Yeah, but, <laughs> we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually really wanted to talk I enjoyed about that. This. I enjoyed that. Enjoy that? Yeah. Well, four more to go. First, a word from today's sponsor. Our third story. Selena Gomez confirms relationship with producer Benny Blanco while simultaneously shading her exes. That is from Glamour. Okay, so Selena has a new boyfriend, but the way she told the world was kind of fascinating. Yeah, so let's kind of fill you in on what's happened over the last week because it has been kind of interesting. So last week, the Instagram account Pop Factions shared that Selena Gomez had seemingly confirmed that she was in a relationship with the music producer Benny Blanco. Now, three days after that post went live, she commented on it writing facts. <laughs> On the fan page. It's a bit random. It is a bit random. Especially for at Pop Factions I know, to be I, the one that gets this. I know. Who is Pop Factions? There's so many of these pop accounts popping up. I can't keep up. Imagine if we need to start throwing out some celebrity rumours out there in the hope that Selena Gomez one day comments on our wow, Instagram 100%. Post. Now, a couple of hours after commenting that, she shared a photo of herself with a guy, sort of snuggling into a guy whose face you can't really see, where you know, people assume it to be him. And that was on her Instagram stories. She then after that went on a bit of a commenting spree, right? After one fan commented this, which is, if you can't handle the hate, then stop posting pictures of your boyfriend, lol. It should be special between you two only. Don't be mad at your fans, which for context is actually what Selena wrote on Justin's post when he was copying a bit of hate for posting with Sophia Ritchie. Do we oh, remember this storyline? This was quite like a famous comment at the time. Lots of people wrote yeah. about it. It became like a meme. It people were sharing it everywhere. It was 2016, so it was a while ago. She responded to that and people can't quite work out if she remembers that these were her own words that people were <laughs> quoting or not. But she wrote, not mad. It's been six months, BB. I will always defend my friends, family and fans till the day I die. On another fan's post, she wrote, he's still better than anyone I've ever been with. Facts. And on one more, she wrote, he is absolutely everything in my heart. What do we make of all this? There's a lot going on. I think with stories like these where Selena kind of goes on commenting sprees, and it's not the first time she's kind of commented on fan accounts like this, I think there's a growing sentiment around her that perhaps isn't the most positive. I think mm. it's really interesting. For years and years and years and years, I felt like the stan community around Selena Gomez has been impenetrable mm. and yet in recent months I've noticed that people are sort of this like this slight uprising against her and I think there was definitely 
annoyance around the fact that she sold single merch, like mm. merch that said she was single, to align with her single single soon. Sorry, wow, so, <laughs> so many mentions of the word single. When she was in a relationship, which I just feel like is kind of a bit overblown. And I think there's a more general vibe as well that her constantly referencing her exes is starting to feel like a lot. I think watching on, I'm sort of like, it is worth considering the context that she's given us in the past, which is Mm. that she has had a long running battle with her mental health. I mean, she told us all about it in her recent documentary. I can feel a bit of a vibe shift and I'm sensing it soon may be devoid of a bit of a bit of compassion or a bit of benefit of the doubt. I'm just, I mean, I I don't want to kind of infer meaning when I don't know anything, but I also, I'm always very cautious around stories like this where I'm like, you know, celebrities kind of commenting quite a lot on having these commenting parties or commenting sprees. I would be pretty delicate about it. That. Well, it's kind of like people can be messy online, but when is that messiness maybe related to something larger yeah. at play? It's an interesting one. I agree with you. I think sentiment towards Selena has really changed, particularly on Twitter. I also wonder if part of this, to Taylor Swift's quote before, responding to negative press is to keep putting out art and keep putting out songs. It kind of feels like Selena copying it a little more is tied to her latest work not being received all that well. Single Soon was critically panned and didn't perform well Which whatsoever. Is such a shame because I think that's such a banger. Oh, do you? Oh. guys don't like it. Oh, um. Do, wait, am I oh. the only person that likes you that like song? You like that song? I really like that song. Oh, she likes it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Was it, in your, was it in your Spotify wrapped? No. <laughs> Close to it. But though. I quite like it when it comes on the radio. Oh, right. Okay. Um, no, it didn't do very yeah, well. Right. Fair enough. With the critics or with um, the fans. Yep. <laughs> and I wonder if, I think sometimes when this stuff happens, when someone is being messy online or someone's not getting the best press, we turn a blind eye to it if their songs are really hitting and yeah. we're really enjoying their work. People didn't enjoy that and I think it's all kind of tied up in the same parcel. Yeah, and she does have, she said she's got an album coming out in the next sort of six or so months. So we'll see if that does much for sentiment. But mm. I, I think it's just worth flagging to kind of be conscious of these narratives as, as they start, you know, mm. circulating and what it might be saying. Yeah. Our fourth story, Molly May Hag tearfully admits she is going through it in emotional update. That is from Digital Spy. I am sufficiently confused by this story. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of an update on the Molly Mae, Tommy Fury story we covered a couple of weeks back where lots of people, ourselves included, were frustrated that Tommy was seen off partying in Dubai with Chris Brown while Molly Mae took care of their baby back home. Molly May has actually posted a bit of an interesting video to her YouTube account this week that lots of people are talking about. So I watched the whole thing. At the very end of this 30-minute vlog, mostly where it concerned itself with her wanting to buy herself a horse, Molly May appears on... (laughs) Sorry, a woman of the people. (laughs) (laughs) She really wants a pony, but at the end... (laughs) No, guys, I actually quite liked the horse journey. No, 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 sorry. I do recommend you watch it if you're interested in someone buying themselves a horse because I found it quite interesting. (laughs) Well, I'll keep that in mind when when the the desire desire strikes. strikes. (laughs) Now, at the end, it's like quite an abrupt cut, right? She's At one stage, she's in a hotel in London, I think, going out to an event, and then it cuts and all of a sudden she's back home appearing very differently, like hair pulled back, no makeup, very vulnerable, not wearing her engagement ring. And she's letting her viewers know that she's not doing very well at all. I'm going to play you the gist of what this final little snippet in the vlog was. Just a heads up, I have edited it down for pace. So there is slight cuts here, but here's essentially what Molly May told her viewers. Guys, I don't really know what to come on here and tell you right now. I know, I know how bad I look. 
um, trust me, however bad I look, I feel 20 times worse. Oh my gosh. Um, to be completely honest, I've been going through it in more ways than one. Um, yeah, hoping that in, I'd say about a week, I might be in a place um, mentally, physically and emotionally where I can start filming some proper content for you guys again and get back on my channel. I love you all. I'll be back soon. Have a get ready with me coming soon. And I'll speak to you guys. This has honestly been the weirdest outro ever. We'll catch up soon anyway. I love you guys and I'll speak to you very soon. What do we make of it? Well, I saw it and I was like, well, she must be hinting to this engagement being over. As we mentioned in our earlier episode, she's been posing a lot without her engagement ring, knowing full well that there's been a lot of speculation about her relationship. And I think when you're as famous as Molly May, you're very conscious of the conversations that are happening around you and you're making a decision to either wear or not wear that engagement ring mm. and knowing that that's going to kind of spur on the conversations further. So for her to then do this outro as well and not wear her engagement ring, I was like, well, I feel like she's trying to tell us something. Like the math is mathing. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys feel that? Yeah. I didn't immediately jump to their engagement is over. I jumped to I don't think they know where their engagement yeah, is Yeah, that's at. fair. I feel like this was someone, uh, just the impression watching it, I was like, this is someone who has no idea what's going on in her own life. And like, you know, when you see that in other people because you've been in that place yourself. Well, and trying to live your life publicly when you're going through those motions of like not knowing what a relationship may yeah. be. We've all been there, as you say. Yeah. It's a deeply confusing time trying to explain it to yourself, let alone trying to explain it to other people. Yeah. And I definitely got the impression that this was done under duress because she kind of didn't feel like she had any other yeah. option, right? Because this vlog was sponsored by a brand called HomeSense. I imagine she would have signed a contract with that brand that said it had to be out, like the video had to be out in a certain campaign period. If that contract is signed and it has to be out and she doesn't have an outro to this vlog, I can imagine she would just get in front of camera and be like, I am mentally destroyed right now, but I'm going to have to film this so I can get this thing out and fulfill my contract. That was the sense I got. Whether or not they're still together or not, I am incredibly confused like you are, Zara. Maybe they want to confuse us. Well, they're confused themselves. Yeah, because when you keep saying and when I keep referencing being confused, after this vlog went up, they were papped on the streets of Manchester holding hands. She still wasn't wearing her engagement ring, but they were together. Mm. And so I agree with you. Maybe it's an easier narrative for them to keep it vague to everybody else and it not be kind of really black and white because that's what they're trying to deal with behind closed doors. Mm. Our fifth story, cringing. Awkward moment between Tony Armstrong and TikToker at awards show. That is from news.com.au. Alrighty, so the TikTok awards were last week. If you didn't see them all over your TikTok feed, Indy Clinton won Australian Creator of the Year. Chris Olsen was in Australia for the awards. He won International Creator of the Year. I Can have... I pause on this for a oh, second? I was going to say, I, I have a hunch he must have known who's flying all the way to Australia without winning that award. Well, did you see his video where he made it out as oh, if he yeah. flew to Australia because a random filter told him yeah, to? Yeah, it wasn't the best, yes. I watched that and me being the dumb idiot I am was like, oh, wow, he really did come to Australia on a whim because like one of those travel filters being like, where in the world should I go next? Oh. Showed Australia. He's like, hmm? Guess I'm being random and going to Australia. And then I see him at the TikTok Awards. And I'm like, I'm a fool. Yeah, and then he won, like, international creator. Of the year. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Now, you could say that those weren't the stories that made the most headlines, though. It was actually a story about 19-year-old influencer Sofa Dofa, who we've mentioned on the show before, after she kind of got into what people considered an awkward exchange with host Tony Armstrong. 
Now, it all started when Tony went up to her and asked how she felt about being nominated for Creator of the Year. I'm going to play you a snippet of the exchange that is making headlines. How are you feeling? You, you look ecstatic and I'm pumped for you. Thank you. Wow. Stop flirting with me. <laughs> Had a hard launch this week, mate. Don't know if you caught the news. Uh, <laughs> that was not flirting. <laughs> that was flattery. No, thank you. I'm happy to be here. And how are, you, like, how are you feeling? Are you excited about the prospects of perhaps winning? Yes, I'm very excited, very nervous, but excited for everyone up for the nomination. Well, good luck. Okay, so I think a tiny bit awkward. I couldn't, I actually feel really sorry for Sofa Doe for listening to that. For sure, but the amount of commentary around this one exchange has been quite astounding to me. And it's not just commentary, there's so much nastiness around about this. I mean, I found one video, and I've only looked really, really quickly, that's been liked 60,000 times. It has the caption, Sofa Doe for being self absorbed. Tony says she looks ecstatic, and her response is to stop flirting with me. How does this girl have a platform? Go back to school. Okay, again, it's that narrative of like to influencers, go back to school, get educated that we're yeah. seeing come up a lot. And I don't think it's an accident that it's coming up a lot. There is this desire for us to consider them stupid because we're actually really jealous of the position that they're in. Yeah. But I think overall, I'm like, of course, you'd be a little bit offbeat talking to somebody who I think Tony Armstrong's sense of humor is slightly offbeat anyway. Mm. Actually, isn't he your close <laughs> oh, personal friend, Annabelle? I- I knew can, you would. Can you tell me about that? What do you know about it? Uh, wasn't it just this weekend? <laughs> this weekend, I went to Meredith Festival and guess who was fucking there? Well, obviously, you know, Tony, Tony Armstrong. Armstrong. And you said that you he camped next to you? He camped next to us because we were very loosely connected to this one person who saved us a spot and this person also saved Tony a spot. And and did you put your hand out and say, hi, I'm Annabelle Lee from Shameless Media, no, big fan of your work? He just came to talk to our group, like our little camp set up and he shook hands with everyone and I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And so, he was like, Tony? And I was like, Annabelle? <laughs> so to, at, at any point, did any of you or your friends acknowledge that you knew us? No, well, before he approached our group, everyone was like, be cool. Be cool. A, a famously easy way to be cool once you've been told. And then Tony sits down to talk to us and I feel like I'm holding this entire conversation. So what did you say to him? I was talking to him about the weather. So you didn't say how with the TikTok awards? No, but I really or definitely like, wanted to. Even if you're pursuing the we don't know who this person is ask what, what do you do, you do for no, work you can't no that's do too that. obvious that's, that's no obvious. it's too obvious if you know who they are but you're pretending you don't and you don't go to the work nah. chat that's obvious because that's the first question you ask everyone I disagree I think it's like we're not going to make you feel awkward about the fact <laughs> we know who you are but I'm not going to be rude enough to pretend I don't know what your job is so what you speak about the weather in yeah, general I would do what you <laughs> to did. be fair the weather was horrendous it <laughs> was windy it was the blatant obvious stuff I had to point out so you didn't say at any point so there was no point in this conversation no well I think he knew we knew yeah, well, you, you and knew. Then, and like then a national treasure. It's like that friend thing. It's like, we know that you know that we know. And then we were just kind of expecting to see him over the course of the days, but we only spoke on that first day during that weather interaction. And right. so our plan was, oh, like tomorrow we'll just tell him. <laughs> we'll just tell him Morning, that we Tony. Knew. FYI, I'm a big fan. We knew yesterday. 
okay, but we thought we'd ease you in. <laughs> maybe we freaked him out from that interaction because he never came back. <laughs> he came back to your campsite. He's like, I simply can't live with these fangirls. <laughs> he was like, um, yeah, I'm over this. <laughs> oh my God, so your friends who were like, be cool, be cool, be cool. <laughs> we were too cool. We were simply too cool. <laughs> back to Sofa Dover though. Yes, I agree with you. Tony Armstrong, we love him. We love camping with He's him. He's dry. Super dry sense of humour. So I imagine when you're trying to interact with that in front of a whole group of people. I would be incredibly nervous if Tony Armstrong is walking up to me with a microphone. Totally. All cameras are on me. Everyone loves Tony Armstrong, myself included. I would be freaking out and I would probably misinterpret words. I think here she's heard the word ecstatic and she's misinterpreted it for, I don't know, alluring or some other kind of word that sounds like ecstatic but describes her physical appearance. I can imagine my brain getting scrambled in that moment. This is the thing. It's like everyone's assuming that you wouldn't go blank in those moments. Oh, my God. You do. You go blank. Some of the stuff I've said. When that many eyes are on you, (laughs) there is nothing going on between your eyes or your brain. There is nothing going on in there. I can say that from experience. Everything inside (laughs) you just disappears. Like when we're on stage, that happens. Some of the shit I've said up on stage, like I don't even know what words are leaving my mouth. And then hearing the audience, where I really feel for her is the audience kind of going "Uh, uh." (laughs) like that is soul crushing when it happens to you and it happens to everyone yeah and I think it's ridiculous for me to watch everyone's commentary online without anyone thinking that they would also find themselves in the same scenario it's like I think you probably would maybe not the exact same scenario but some (laughs) version of this we could all do so I'm surprised the narrative hasn't been like fuck me too. Yeah. It should be. And I just think we can be so, so harsh I on actu- young women in positions like this. Did we see the video? I wish I had the name of the creator in front of me. There was actually a young guy who made a video saw defending that. Sofa Dofa. I like, it was one of those things where he had stitched the OG video calling Sofa Dofa self-absorbed. So I went into watching it with my back up a little bit, yeah. being like, this guy better not pile on. And he didn't. It was like this 20-something-year-old guy defending Sofa Dofa, saying, give the girl a break. Why are you all coming for her so hard? Like, this would be tricky. You might make the same mistake. Just give her a bit of grace. And I loved that that video, sorry to put a really saccharine spin on the end of no, this segment. No, I love it. That video, that stitch, got like twice as many likes as the OG video calling herself absorbed. A hundred percent. And I think that's the sentiment that we need to be reminding ourselves of. It's like, why so unnecessarily harsh, honestly? And our sixth and final story, Hugh Grant said that he hated making Wonka. I have lots of children and need money. That is from BuzzFeed. Now, Wonka is out and the reviews aren't too bad given the trailer was trashed. Do you guys remember this? I missed the trailer getting trashed. Mm. Do you remember it? I remember watching it and being like, Timmy Chalamet, not it for this I, role. I strangely watched it as well, but maybe I just jumped on the bandwagon because truly I know nothing about what makes <laughs> even though I pretend I do. And I was like, oh, he's not selling it to me. Like he's trying. I remember watching it, being like, he's trying too hard to be Wonka. So like, what? Get like, it. tell me why. He he had like a silly voice. It was like it was really obvious. Oh, mm. like almost cartoonish Wonka In voice. Fact, that's the thing. This is why the French people don't like him. It was too obvious. It or was maybe, random enough. Yeah, he's okay. too much of a modern man trying to play this like old timey Wonka guy, yeah. and it just felt out of place. Imagine the only vibe I can think of is like, good kid. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Duck voice. Like kind of caricature is how the trailer felt. but Goofy. Yeah, but people are loving the movie. Okay. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy for him because, you know, I don't I don't like bad press around Timmy Chalamet, as you know. <laughs> now, for the uninitiated, this is a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It tells the story of 
how Wonka kind of came to be. 63-year-old Hugh Grant is certainly making headlines because he is playing an Oompa Loompa in the film. And in an interview with Metro about it all, he kind of... I don't know. I just find Hugh Humongo quite funny because... <laughs> He's just very honest. He said he's in the freak show phase of his career. <laughs> and he basically said he hated doing the whole thing. Now, the character you see on screen, right, is Hugh's face, but it has, like, motion capture for his body. So when he was asked what the experience was like, because he had lots of different things on his body and lots of different cameras trying to capture him, he said it was like drivel. <laughs> it was like a crown of thorns, very uncomfortable. <laughs> He then went on and said, I made a big fuss about it. I couldn't have hated the whole thing more. (laughs) He is that grumpy uncle who's just done with everything. But he kind of always says it with a glimmer in his eye. Like he finds it funny. He said he was confused throughout filming as to whether he should act with his body or not. And he said, I never received a satisfactory answer. (laughs) And then he said, and frankly, what I did with my body was terrible. It's all being replaced with an animator. So the journal goes, okay, um, what about the dancing aspect of the film? Was that really fun? And he said, it should be fun, but that was done by the animator. He's like also slightly resentful that the animator did so much. Like, do you want to do it or not? Yeah, and then as according to the publication, he said the reason he took on the role came down to his five children. He said, I slightly hate making films, but I have lots of children and need money. I would love to be that old person one day who's just renowned as the grumpy, like Oh I fully (laughs) intend to sit on my sort of deck one day and just like throw eggs at people. (laughs) (laughs) I fully intend to do that. Uh, I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, thank you to the celebrities for doing absolutely nothing this week. Next week, we have a very special episode planned. It'll be very different for us. This is actually the last time we're going to be in this studio. We'll be filming, recording in a different studio, and it will be the CEO's. Famously, the Shameless End of Year Awards, where we recap the year that was and you guys decide what your favourite stories were. Well, this is the thing. The celebrities let us down this week, but they certainly did not let us down this year. And we have a lot of awards to give out. Yeah, so keep an eye on our socials because we have a survey going up today where the first 1,000 of you can vote. Cast your vote. For your favourite stories. If you don't make it to the first 1,000, don't worry. You can also vote on the Your Say Friday next week as well. So you'll get your vote <laughs> in at some point. But we will be, as you know, on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, on TikTok at Shameless underscore Podcast. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No, no. Thank you, Nana Bot. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Zazzle. See you guys next Monday. Bye. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. 
There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.